All right, here we go. If you open your outline, you'll see that um, the title of this message is Perspective Pauses. Um, I almost named it Pauses That Provide Perspective. <coughs> Moments in time that force you to see in a different way. We all have them. Um, some of them are more extreme. A death in the family is a pause that forces you to see things and feel things that you don't normally. Weddings, the birth of a child, the graduation of a child or leaving the nest. Um, we all have those times in our lives. And um, this last week was kind of that for me as I spent the week with my mom and I sensed that um, I would, God wanted to, so we had thought about having Sheila come, but she ended up having to work and she wasn't able to be there. Um, and really, as I got prepared to go to be with my mom, who has Alzheimer's, she's, in, she's physically functional, but mentally she is really um, deteriorating. I sensed that it was supposed to be pretty much a secluded time with me and her, 24-7, for God's purposes. And it became a perspective pause um, as I was there. And so I wanted, I, I felt like maybe it would be good for, for me to just share some of that um, from a biblical standpoint, but also from a real life standpoint. Um, that what we, how we need to lean into Him to gain His perspective in those moments when we just have to. So that's what this is, is going to be about today is um, some moments of perspective, some perspective pauses that remind us of what really matters in life. So Lord, I pray that you would take our time, you would guide it, that you would make your truth, your word come alive, that your Holy Spirit would um, help each one of us to lean into you, to gain your perspective um, about our lives, where we are, and prepare for the future times when we will be forced to do so. Lord, we give you thanks and praise that you are always with us. You've given us that promise. Help us to pay attention so that we lean into you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So look at the um, Isaiah scripture once again. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And let's say that again. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Philippians chapter 4. Open your Bible there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Does anybody need a Bible? We've got some Bibles in the back. Can be delivered. Anybody? Okay, we're good. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1, beginning with verse 1. And just a reminder that 
as um, the Holy Spirit writes this through the Apostle Paul, it's plural. He's delivering a message. It's much more about we than me. And um, in those moments when God uh, causes us to be stopped and paused and look at perspective, it's much more about going through it together than it is alone. The devil wants to isolate. But in, in those moments, that's why funerals are so important. When you're together to experience what God has for you. Um, has, and when I say you, plural you. It's about us. And so when he writes this, um, the, um, the times when he's talking about you, it's plural. It's not, it's not singular, but rather it's plural. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. <clears throat> Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my, crown, my joy and, and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So we've, 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 in past weeks, we've looked at these different issues, and so he's, he's saying in verse 1, um, stand firm in the Lord. In verses 2 and 3, get along in the Lord. In verse 4, help other people get along in the Lord. These are all ordinary kind of moments when we need to pause and lean into God and allow Him to work. And then verses uh, 4 and 5, he says, shine, let the, the Spirit of God shine through you as you rejoice in Him. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In those moments that you're tempted to get anxious or worry, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Lean into Him. Get His perspective, because His, his ways, His thoughts are higher than ours, and we can't see what's really going on that's causing us to worry until he defines it and explains it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any wor anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And we're going to begin talking about that next week. Um, we don't know God's, we don't know what's really real until we get God's mind. And so think about the things of God. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. <clears throat> and that is one of the, the things that motivated me to share this message with you. I resist saying, look at me, because we're all in this together. And yet, throughout the book of Philippians, he instructs us to look for examples. Look for people who are 
living the Christian life as models. And I just over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've seen and heard and recognized that there, oftentimes people, because I'm the pastor, you're looking to me to see what it looks like to live out the Christian life. Either you know, subconsciously or consciously. And I thought, and, and so I, as I was praying about what to talk about today, I, I just got this sense that as I go through the, this pause moment with my mom, this, this time with my mom, um, that it, it would be good for you to see what God is showing me. So, so that's a part of what this is all about. It's not to say, look how good he is, but rather look how God works when we're leaning into him. And he says, when you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And we're I can't wait to get to the sermon when we talk about that. Because contentment is a gift that God wants to give us that is so needed in our culture. So you can look forward to that. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. You see, you, you get the sense of we instead of me throughout that passage. So it's all about alignment. In every piece of chapter four of Philippians, it's all about alignment. How do we get aligned with him when we're not getting along? When we're struggling to be content? When we're uh, when we are tempted to worry, when our minds are not on the things of God, how do we get in alignment? That's what we've been talking about. So um, out of that and uh, another scripture that we're going to look at, the perspective pauses and what they can teach us about what really matters in life. Let's talk about it. Number one, is um, the two commands. Life is what life is really all about. You see it as an overlay of chapter 4 of Philippians. In all of it, it amounts to the two great commandments. And I put it there in, from Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. Many of you are familiar with this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Somebody asked Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Perspective pause, number one, is that all of life is really about those two things. 
You can boil it all down. So when you sit at a funeral, you boil it all down, and you realize, really, life is only about loving God and loving people. Nobody ever says on their deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time at the office or at the sports arena. They always talk about relationships. And hopefully they talk about the relationship with God and looking forward to seeing Jesus. All of life is really about two commandments. It's really, really true. Jesus boils it down. Um, and so when we face these moments, whatever they are, we need to come back to those two commandments. When we, and loving God is about action. It's not about emotion, it's about action. What does God say about this that I'm supposed to do? And then we do it. It's trust and obey. It's live it out, surrender, listen and obey. It's knees and nudges. It's walking and step in alignment with Him. <clears throat> loving God and then loving people. It's not about emotion. It's not about feelings. It's about doing what is best for everyone involved. It's about doing what is best. And then when we put that into action, what we discover is God's presence is with us. That God is there in those moments, regardless of how we feel. Um, and, and I think... <clears throat> Here's an important caveat, or important application of this, <clears throat> or important perspective of it. When we obey those two commandments, when we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are aligning ourselves with Him. We are allowing Him to pick us up and seat us with Him in the heavenly so that we're seeing differently and we're hearing His voice. That's why I emphasize surrender, listen, and obey. Surrender, listen, and obey. Surrender to God. Give Him everything. Listen to what He says and then do it. Knees and nudges. Going to our knees. Giving Him our all. Everything about us. Authority for our day. And then following those nudges as we go through. Because his, this command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, is an invitation to be aligned with Him so that we can be walking in a spirit and we can be seated in the heavenlies, living differently. Amen. Living right side up. Because we're putting ourselves in a position to be with Him. So, um, you know, it was a really hard week. We'll talk about that in a minute with my mom. But I'm driving back yesterday, and um, I'm just done. I'm done. Emotionally, physically, just done. 24-7, taking care of my mom, who is, you know, has got Alzheimer's. Um, and I knew it would be draining, but I had no idea it would be that draining. Because um, Sheila bailed out on me, you know, she... <laughs> No, it was, it was a God thing. He wanted that because he had some other things to teach me. But um, my default when I'm done is I want some kind of story to numb my mind and preoccupy my, myself. Podcast, book on tape, or tape, it shows how old I am. <laughs> book on MP3. Just, and so, you know, I'm just listening to stuff as I'm driving and and I got about an hour and a half from, from home, and I sensed God say, it's time to turn that stuff off. It's time to turn on some worship music. It's time to be with me. 
And I thought, I don't want to. <laughs> because what I've learned is when God gives me that invitation, there are emotions involved. And I'm in that, you know, and when I'm done, I don't want to feel that stuff. I don't want to go there. But I've learned to follow the nudges. And so I did. That's the practical meaning of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's, it's, it's, it's not doing heroic things. It's just paying enough attention that we hear what God wants to do out of his love and we align ourselves so that he's free to do it. So I spent the last hour and a half um, listening to music, talking to somebody, um, and God filled my soul. Didn't take away all the emotions. That's what it means. That's why it's so important that in those moments of perspective, we lean into him. It's, a just a, it's a, just a decision. It's literally a decision turning off the MB3 player and hitting the music on my phone. That's loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what it means. That's how practical it is. Number two, it's about common things. Pause, pauses that bring perspective that lead to what really matters leads us to common things where life is lived. Common things. Seemingly ordinary things. Seemingly insignificant moments. Most of life is lived in those moments. Um, And so this last week was... was, um, a week of day after day after day after day getting up, making sure that I was up before my mom. When she got up, giving her something for breakfast, making sure that she got dressed, and then being with her, going through the day. Um, Feeding her, you know, getting her up and walking a little bit, occupying her, talking with her. And here's one one of my goals for the week was, God, help her to experience your love and acceptance that will penetrate the Alzheimer's. Because words don't work. Only the presence of God. And so most of the days were just, what are we going to have for breakfast? What are we going to do? What are we going to have for lunch? What are we going to do? Mom, don't, you know, don't do that. The, that's a dog. That's not a child. Which is <laughs> one of the... Here's another thing. Learn to laugh instead of cry. So when my mom pulls the dog up, my sister's dog, to the chair at the table thinking he's a child and starts to feed him, you just go, oh, Henry's joined us today. (laughs) And you let her go. It doesn't matter, right? Because life is made of small things, ordinary things, typical things. And that's really where most of life is lived for all of us, right? You get up in the morning, you get on your day, whatever your day looks like, it's mostly the small moments of living in step with Christ so that the people that you interact with, you're doing it in, his, in Jesus' name. You Breakfast, lunch, dinner, time to go to bed, laundry to do, floors to sweep, 
you know, it's just all the ordinary things. It really struck home one of the, so one day I decided I was going to take my mom out <clears throat> to the house where she grew up, wondering if she would recognize it. And to the houses where her two sets of grandparents lived. Um, she grew up out in farm country, found the house. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. In, evidently in the 1930s, there were no addresses on Old Columbus Road. People just knew where everybody lived. Oh, that's the Klontz house. Well, what's the address? Address? What's an address? So I had to finagle my way. Found the house. She didn't recognize it. Went to her grandparents' house. She recognized it. Here, and, and I think this is important. She recognized it because she remembered her grandfather who she loved sitting on the swing on the front porch. It wasn't the house. It was the person. And so she remembered that. And so it just struck me as I looked at those three houses, how much of growing up was just the dailiness. Just the dailiness. Getting up in the morning, getting breakfast, taking care of the farm animals, doing the chores, spending time with grandparents. It's just the ordinary stuff. Most of life is lived in the commonplace. I think, and so I think one of the applications of this, the common things, is where, um, where life is lived, is treasure the common stuff. You know, when... Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord, is what the scripture says. Well, what does that mean? That means when you're getting the breakfast or when you're just doing ordinary things, doing it in the context of this is what God has. This is where God has placed us. This is what God has us doing. Don't complain about it. Look for the opportunity. Look for the joy. Life is lived in the ordinary. So when, when we look at that scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, stand firm. That's just ordinary stuff, right? Just every day, follow God. Verses 2 and 3, get along. He talks about these two ladies that have gotten sideways with each other. Ordinary stuff. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay mad or are you going to work at getting along? Verse 4 is choosing to rejoice. That's just moment by moment. And then he goes into verse 6 where he talks about worry. That's just common stuff, right? The stuff that is hitting us what are we going to do with that? Are we going to worry or are we going to trust? Common, ordinary stuff. And then he talks about thinking. Where do our minds go? And then he, and he talks about contentment. Are we satisfied with God? All of those things. It's just ordinary, common stuff. The week caused me to slow down because it was basically me and mom all day except for here and there there was a nurse came in or caregiver came in or somebody. It was just... And I, I, and I had to, I, uh, about, two, uh, about two days in, I'm going, I'm not doing anything productive. And I sense God saying, yeah, you are. You're loving your mom. Common, ordinary things. Number three. It's about being conduits of God's presence. Who we are to be. 
conduits of God's presence. And, and we've had different conversations about this in different ways. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about being pipes of God's presence. Conduit is just a delivery system. It's a, you know, it's a con- it's, it's usually like a pipe that carries along. It's a conduit that carries along something. Conduits of God's presence is what we're supposed to be. And, um, if you don't, if you didn't keep your Bible open, open it to Second Corinthians chapter four. Oh, I guess we haven't looked at Second Corinthians yet. Second Corinthians chapter four is where we're going to look at. But here's one of the things that I discovered. I went into this week um, praying and oh, and wanting God um, to be present with my mom, for my mom to experience His presence and His love that would penetrate the the Alzheimer's. Somehow, some way that she would still experience his love. And what I discovered is God's presence penetrates so deep into people's lives. Look at, um, well, let me tell you this and then we'll look at the scripture. So each night um, when mom was getting ready to go to bed, I would put my arm around her and I'd pray with her. And something shifted when I prayed for her. The look on her face brightened up. The, you know, she hugged me tighter. There was this, she couldn't, she couldn't verbalize anything. But the fact that I brought her and asked for God's peace and God's presence, something penetrated soul deep. Because God's presence can can cut through that. On Friday morning, so I got there the previous Friday night. I'd been there almost a week at that point. Um, And one of the things that I did for her was um, I would turn on Gaither TV. Any of you familiar with the Gaithers or Christian singing group been around for centuries? Um, and I, and so on Friday morning I put one on and it was Bill Gaither, who's over 80 years old, um, sitting at a piano with some of the other people in singing groups with him, talking about his memories of his career and talking about the songs that he and his wife had written over the years and the stories behind them. Songs that my mom was familiar with when she was younger and as she's grown older. And I, I was sitting in. And, and I. What a gift to feel so much love. I looked over and she had tears streaming down her face. Amen. The songs of God penetrated to her soul. I mean, we had talked about all kinds of stuff. Talked about, she didn't remember me, you know, when I was growing up. She didn't remember a whole lot. But the songs of God got deep into her soul. And I was pretty good until I saw that. And I lost it. I just... Went in the bedroom and just sobbed. 
Because for a moment, my mom was there, right? And the memories that were there. And I thought, God, you, you love her. You still love her. You're still there, whether anybody can see it or not. You're still there. And then I thought, what a privilege it was for me to hit the remote, to bring that up for the presence of God to use that to go to my mom. The little things, right? It's the common things. It's the ordinary things. Because I could have turned on, you know, we were also watching Andy Griffith. That didn't make her cry. (laughs) Made me cry because I had to watch it. Second Corinthians, open your Bible there before we completely get off. Second Corinthians chapter four. Verses seven to twelve. But we have this treasure, the treasure of God's presence, the Holy Spirit within us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay, ordinary utensils. Not jars of gold, not jars of silver, not jars of bronze. Ordinary, just ordinary vessels that would be used around the house. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's who we are. Conduits. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I could have done everything that I could think of in my own power in trying to talk to mom, remind her of things, and it wouldn't have penetrated her soul. But it was the presence of God, of which I was just a conduit. I was just having to be there, hitting the remote, allowing his presence. Um, It's his presence. Surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, which gives us hope, right? Because now I know it's not about me making my mom happy. You know, it's just about being there as a vessel for God. To flow through and touch her heart. And then he goes on. But it ain't easy. We are afflicted in every way. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed. But not driven to despair. Persecuted. But not forsaken. Struck down. But not destroyed. Always carrying around. In the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. The death of Jesus meaning that when um, we go through difficult times because we're followers of Christ, or we deny ourselves that we are experiencing the, the hardships, the difficulties, the painful things. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And that is one of the greatest privileges that you will ever have. You can achieve incredible things in this world, but that Jesus be manifested through us is the greatest privilege of all. It's not about me so as, as he talks about being jars of clay, that means that sometimes we go through difficult things. Sometimes it is hard 
to be that presence of God, that, that delivery system. It's not about me. It's about me serving God and others. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't want to feel the feelings that come with it. Um, even when we're fighting physical or emotional, spiritual or relational battles and struggles. Even, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how we feel. It's just about loving God and loving people. And the common ordinary things being conduits of God's presence. And so, um, as I approached this week, I said, God, whatever you want to do. I sense that I'm going to be pretty secluded with her 24-7. So we'll just find, you know, every day finding some place to drive to, um, getting her ice cream because she's an ice cream addict. <laughs> Which at 87 years old, I don't care how much ice cream she eats. Just <laughs> let her have what she wants. Um, but, but paying attention, just saying, God, whatever you want. Um, so my, my sister has a, a stepson whose marriage exploded on him and now has been living in the house for a couple of weeks. And I haven't known him since he was in high school, but I prayed, God, um, if you want me to have a conversation with him and be there for him, you make it happen. I love God's sense of humor. <laughs> On, so he's working at uh, this parts man, uh, car parts manufacturing plant. And they issued him a hard hat and gloves and earplugs. And, and they told him, if you, if you don't have your gloves or your earplugs, you can come to work. But if you don't have your hard hat, we don't have extra hard hats. So just don't bother to come in. So on Monday, I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He's supposed to be leaving about 5.15. And he's looking all around. Have you seen my hard hat? Have you seen my hard hat? I'm going, oh boy. M Mama's become a kleptomaniac. She just picks stuff up thinking it's hers. I'm thinking she's probably wearing it in her bedroom, thinking it's hers. I don't know where it is. Can't find it anywhere. Looked all over the house. Scoured his car. No place. He can't find it. He has to call in. No work. And so he sits down where I'm having my quiet time. And, and I go, God, you are hilarious. You made him lose his hat so that we could have this conversation. We talked for an hour and a half or two hours. I prayed with him. Just talked with him. Um, and then he goes out the garage and it had rolled underneath something. He finds it for the next day. You see, it's just conduit. It's not me. I can't arrange that. I, I could try, but then I'd have to lie to him. Oh, I don't know where your hat is and put it in my room, you know. Um, my, my brother George, which he's uh, eight years younger than me. We've never really had an adult relationship because he strayed from God for a long time. We had incredible conversations. Unbelievable. I mean, it just, he lost, if you were around a year and a half ago, his wife died um, suddenly, and he's been grieving ever since. It just opened up. It's just a conduit of God's grace, an opportunity to be there. Um, one of the caregivers came in, and um, she looked at me, and, and, and uh, she just started talking about her son who's having seizures out of nowhere. 
And I, so I listened, I prayed with her and said, if you need to go, go. Um, and it was just moment after moment after moment that I couldn't have arranged, but that made a difference in people's lives. A conduit of God's grace. Of God's presence. And then number four, it's about the continuing kingdom. Do you notice I found C's for each one of these? I just want you to... The continue. This was the hardest one. <laughs> what I mean by that is who and where we're headed. So we've been talking about that trip from Patagonia to Pittsburgh, and um, and we'll come back to that. But it's about um, who and where um, our real destination, our real home, is. You know, our real home is God. And heaven is wherever God is. Our real home is having that perfect relationship with Him. Second um, Corinthians, um, jump down to ver- chapter 4, verse 16. And what, what I mean by this continued kingdom, I mean, um, so what really matters when we hit these moments, these pause perspective moments. Um, a couple of years ago, I was praying and, and saying, God, I don't, I don't understand why you don't take mom home. It would be better for her. She's ready. She loves you. Um, and, I, and, I, and I heard the the voice of God saying, oh, she's not here for her. She's here to give you the opportunity to love unconditionally in a way that you don't get a chance. Think about that. Hi. Almost all of our relationships are conditional relationships. I mean, but for her, it's no expectations. You don't get anything out of that relationship. It's all about serving and loving. And I thought, and I thought, yeah, okay. It's not just about her. It's about her experiencing God's presence through other people. And us being developed so that as we learn to, as I learned to love her unconditionally, I learned to love others better. Do you see how it's training as much as it is the experience? So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we don't, do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away. And so this is where, you know, I started thinking about her, but also about me. Our outward, outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Doesn't matter what the body is doing because we're not living for here. We're, we're, I mean, we are in, in a sense, but ultimately for eternity. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God's thoughts, God's ways are so much higher than ours. 
no matter how bad your life is, no how much pain you go through, no much difficulty, it can't touch the eternal way to glory. Beyond comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And, and so as I thought about mom's care, it's, it's like, you know, she's, she's being served by hospice. So the nurses come in, they take her blood pressure, they, you know, they do all the physical stuff. They come in and they give her a shower. They do all the physical stuff. That's all wasting away. That needs to be taken care of. But that's not what's most important. What's most important is there are people in her life that are conduits, that are jars of clay, that have the presence of God, that she can sense God's presence. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, and it will be someday, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. And I've heard some of you do that. As you get up from the seat, you go, oh. As you sit down, oh. Longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. So we're not going to be, it's not going to be stripped away. But rather, while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. That we would receive this heavenly body, which is what we long for. And don't realize it. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Eternal life. The unseen life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So the presence within is a, a guarantee. It's a down payment for what we will receive. So as a result, we are always of good courage. Always of good courage. Yes, you may go in the room and sob, but that doesn't mean you're not of good courage. Because our courage doesn't have anything to do with our emotions or our feelings. It has everything to do with our trust in God, our relationship with God. We know that while we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are home or away, we make it our own, we make it our aim to please him. You might want to underline that one. As long as we are in this body, our aim is to please him. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. In the ordinary stuff, being jars of clay, the conduit of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's our aim. But then someday, we're going to reach the end of our journey and we will be with God without all of the stuff that's in the way. And we will serve Him then. And we will experience life that is beyond uh, comprehension. And then we will also be aiming to please Him there. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what is done in the body, whether good or evil. While we're in this life, these bodies are deteriorating. 
I mean, we can try to keep in shape and, and we should live as healthy as we can, but we aren't getting younger. And when um, the world would want to throw away people like my mom, God says, no. She's mine. And she's here because I'm in charge. And I want, still want to do things in and around. Um, as I was talking to my brother at one point, um, his, so his wife passed away. She had MS. Her immune system was compromised. She had um, a minor car accident, ended up in the emergency room. Um, and after that, she got COVID. COVID pneumonia. She had a stroke. She was on life support and she passed away. And as I'm talking to my brother, um, he mentioned this scripture in Psalm 139. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And he said, I, I have a hard time believing that. Because I think... If she hadn't been, had that car accident and hadn't gone to the emergency room, she would still be alive. And I said, George, you don't know that. Um, and so we talked for a while and I just let him grieve and vent some. But then I, but then I said, you know, the only way that I make sense of mom and what she's going through is this scripture. Because if God doesn't have her in his hands, if he is not in charge, if he's not the one that's numbered her days, I, don't, I can't make any sense of this. And so I cling to that, believing that he really is in charge. And that our job is just to be conduits of God's presence. And, it, and so after that week, I come, I, um, I come back emotionally drained, scattered, you know, just all of this stuff. But at the same time, there, there's, a, there's a part of, of something inside of me that, that I feel like value has been added. And I can't explain that. It doesn't make any sense from a human standpoint. But some, there's just something that God did in me. And I think that's why when we come to these moments that force us to see perspective, force us to evaluate, and we go to God with them, then he can make sense at some level in our souls that we can't even sometimes define. Now, it taxes you. You know, it, it just takes a lot out of you. But it's worth it to be in step with the Holy Spirit, regardless of what it is. I think I love my mom more now after serving her for a week. And I think I love God a little bit more too because I've seen what he does in, in his presence. Um, and so 
as I turned off the book and put on worship music. And I, and I just listened. I sensed that I heard God say, I'm proud of you. Because you served me as you served your mom. And I went, really? I don't think I did it that good. I don't think I did that good a job. Now, when we go to God, do you, do you, do you realize that God, that's the way God wants to speak to us? And that's my heart for each one of us. We're going to face hard things the rest of our lives. They're going to come in all different flavors, all different colors, all different ways. And God wants to transform every single one of them. So that we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love other people as ourselves. And we receive from him the affirmation and approval that goes so deep in ourselves. And makes us love him more. Would you bow your heads? Today I've shared with you a pause perspective moment that I've gone through. Every one of us has them. You may be going through one right now. But for sure you're headed toward one. Um, I think the only way to approach them is to, is to surrender, listen, and obey. Um, and say, God, help me every day to live in step with you so that whenever they come, my habit is to lean into you. So Lord, I pray for each one of these folks that God, you would work in our hearts and our souls to draw us to yourself, to mold us into your image so that we're ready to be jars of clay for whoever you place in our paths. That God, you would uh, transform um, our desires and what we think is of value and what we think will bring us enjoyment um, and align them with yours so that serving in whatever way you bring in our path will bring us the greatest joy. Transform us as a, as a, as a congregation to help one another during those times, to walk with each other, and to bring you honor and glory. Walk us through this week, Lord. Because it's... Um, just make us your jars of clay. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.